You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Good, my friends. Thank you for joining me on the Get Tucked podcast. I am your host, Ryan Tuck O'Leary. It is release week for Off-Road Minivan, and I am extremely stoked. Whether you like it or not, I am dropping four episodes this week. Yesterday was Evan, and tomorrow and Thursday will be Dave and Miles. What do all these men have in common? They are all an Off-Road Minivan. And we will be releasing our debut full-length album, Swan Dive, this Friday, May 15th, via Tooth & Nail Records. This might be one of the worst times in history to release music, so if you can, please go pre-save the album on Spotify or or Apple Music. If you're into shirts, CDs, hats, etc., head on over to MerchNow.com and pick something up from us. We have some pretty cool new designs out. If you don't want to get something from us, you might find something cool from someone else. So please go check it out at least. They're a fantastic company, one that I love very much and could use your support at this time. So go merch now. This week on the podcast, we have the one and only Melvin Brinson. We have been in two projects together and had some of the best times. We first discovered how to tour together, and I can easily say my life wouldn't be the same without this dude. So here we go, my episode with Melvin Brinson. Ryan and Melvin in the morning. Ryan and Melvin. Yeah. Nice. Can you name that that jingle? Uh, I can't. Bob and Sherry. Did you ever hear Bob and Sherry on the radio when you were a kid? I don't know. No, I, I've never heard of that. Oh, it's like a talk show thing my mom listened to all the morning, all the time in the morning. <laughs> You know, and it, you know, it's kind of sounds like them because my dad's name is Bob and my mom's name is Sandy, but this was Bob and Sherry. But very close. I sang at the beginning of the last episode, and by sang, I mean like I, you know, did another terrible uh, attempt at some sort of jingle. So I figured, why not keep it spicy? Yeah. The spice melange. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good South Park episode. I love that show. I love that show. It <laughs> makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. There's never a time where you don't laugh from watching it. Um, you know what, dude? I've never laughed at it. You, you want? <laughs> you can't oh, even dude. say that without laughing. Yeah. Dude, and yeah, just after I said um warm and fuzzy, I just thought about I feel like the funniest cocktail name is fuzzy navel. Like, why, of all the things to drink, it's like, yes, I need the fuzzy n- No, <laughs> I agree. It's very dirty and suggestive. And it's, it's, if it was it, me, it would be very dirty because I do have a fuzzy navel. I find lint in my belly button all the time. Well, I meant dirty, not in cleanliness. I meant, like... Oh, I, I know. I was just getting weirder. Gotcha. I to talk about my lint. <laughs> 
The fun part about it. doing this with like a microphone instead of just talking on the phone is now I feel like I can really lean into it and do like shitty Batman voice. Makes me makes me horny. It's dynamic. It's it's a it's a dynamic microphone <laughs> presented to you by Audio Technica. Oh my god. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Go um, fuck yourself. Yeah, just to get back to South Park because it's such a great show, um, but it's not. It's a terrible show because it makes me ang. It makes me triggered. I'm triggered when I watch South Park. Ugh. Yeah. Okay, boomer. <laughs> that's why I got, dude. That's why I got blocked from Trapped on Twitter is because I said Pandora's for boomers, and then they blocked me on Trapped. Um, or they didn't block me on Trapped. Pandora. They blocked me on Twitter. Um, but you know. I think that it makes sense that that band sucks so much because the lead singer of that band, ironically enough, his his name is also Chris Brown. So I feel like if your name is Chris Brown, like you're just a big, you're a doo-doo head. People shouldn't like you. And even if yeah. you can sing really good and, uh, you know, have gotten to, you know, be a big pop star, whatever. We're going to talk about some good shit today, Melvin. Are you ready? So ready. Are you ready to get tucked? <laughs> Oh yeah. Have I ever showed you the the intro for my show? Have you ever listened to my show? I've heard it. That's awesome, isn't it? It's the best intro yeah. ever. It's like a Steel Panther riff. Pretty much. I it's funny because I did a really it people will probably think I'm such an asshole because I just said I have the best intro ever. But the reason why I think it's the best because um I I kind of wrote it, but I basically I just did like this really crappy video of me playing it and singing it on my guitar and sent it to Daniel. And then he Mm -hmm. made it super awesome and sent it back to me. And then I, I did record the vocals here in Brooklyn in my apartment though. Um, yeah. Get tucked. What, what an intro. Yeah, baby. Mm. And it, it sets us up for the good stuff, which is talking about, Melvin Brinson Jr. He's not the first. He's the second. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that's an inside joke. People don't know that, but that's an inside joke that Melvin has with his friends where um, he says the word thanks, and you don't get it. You're not going to get it. But You'll never get you'll it. Never going to get it, never going to get it, never going to get it. <laughs> Never going to get it. Never get it. What a good song. If you don't know that song, um, find it on the internet. I don't know who sings. I think it's in Vogue. Uh, is it or is it Salt and Pepper? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's, some, it's somebody. But after I sat in my bed this morning watching uh, The Bachelor... What's what's the new Bachelor called? Some sort of like a... Oh, that's so yeah. funny. We were watching that last night. Uh it's uh, it's, uh, the one. It, it's the one where they're trying to be like that movie with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Oh, never mind. That's not what I'm. Yeah, there's a new Bachelor that's on TV right now, and yeah, where they're singers. Yeah, and they're they, singers. Like, date. Yeah, it's all themed after that that movie. Um. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, but it's awesome. Uh, and did you? So you watched the most recent episode? Uh, last night. Yes. Yeah. See, I'm I'm glad they got kicked off because I thought those Brandon and that girl, I thought they sucked. I wasn't a fan. Yeah, they and it just they didn't sound good, and I didn't like that she was playing games with that one dude who's like not as good looking Devin Mock. 
Um, he's you're like you could say he's like ugly Aquaman or ugly not ugly. God, that's so mean. I'm sorry. I'm not mean. Not as good looking Aquaman or not as good looking Devin Mock. If you don't know who Devin Mock is, he plays drums in a band called The Ballroom Thieves, and he is one of my oldest friends. But that dude looked just like him, but uh, not as good looking version. And uh, I felt bad for him because he was super, super, super nice. And he was honed in on that girl from moment one of the show. And then she just couldn't concentrate on him and really wanted Brandon. But Brandon had Savannah and Savannah was a smoke show. And then he, he you know, messes that whole thing up to go with her for real. Like, come on now. That ain't smart. That's just not smart stuff. You sound invested. I am invested. I'm super into Bachelor, man. <laughs> it's it, <laughs> it. I did watch The Bachelor. Oh yeah. Oh, I love The Bachelor, man. I'm all that ending sucked. It's terrible. It's terrible. The ending story. was terrible. Here's the thing. Like, how do you not take Hannah Ann? Okay. Like, I get Madison's like a good girl, and you <laughs> like her, and you care about her. Hannah Ann is a 10 out of 10 smoke show. She is so good looking. And she was a she was a very strong independent woman. She stayed chill on the whole show. And then at the end, she really told Peter what's what. And honestly, fuck Peter. He sucks. And Hannah Ann deserves her own show because she's the shit. But um there's a there's quite a few cool girls on, on this season. But there was a lot of yeah. like. The, I at the beginning I tried playing a game where you had to uh, take a, a sip every time someone said the word like, but it's impossible. You'd be yeah. so wasted 10 minutes into the show. <laughs> that or every time. There, there's a whole list you can make. <laughs> yeah, it's a great show, though. I'm glad you guys watch it. I somehow got all, I shouldn't say all of Fit for a King, but a majority of our band and crew into the show. Because mm-hmm. we... The first time we took, well, I should say the only time, because lately we took a bandwagon a second time for 10 days before we got canceled because of coronavirus. But um, we were on the bandwagon, and I was like, hey, guys, like the only thing I request is one day a week. Like, Can I watch Bachelor? And <laughs> um, everyone watched it with me and ended up somehow getting hooked into it. And it's because it's the best show on television. You get to watch people get so weird. Yeah, that, those, some of those chicks, too, are just batshit crazy, man. Crazy. <laughs> it's insane how invested people get so quickly. Um, and if you, Real quick. Dude, if you want an even more wild show to watch in terms of blow your mind, how are you this dumb, before the 90 days for 90 Day Fiance. And not like, because there's different ones. There's just 90 Day Fiance, but you can also watch before the 90 days. We, hmm. I wasn't so much into 90 Day Fiance, but I'm really insanely in love with Before the 90 Days because these people are so insanely dumb and they're so delusional. And it's, it blows my mind the things that they say and do. Like this guy sat at a restaurant for two and a half hours waiting for this girl. And then when he goes to like put her in the cab at the end of the night after she finally shows up and they talk after he flew to Colombia of all countries to meet her for the first time, she stands him up for hours. He goes to put her in a car. She goes to give him a kiss. And then he's like, nah, dodges her. 
I'm going to be a gentleman, <laughs> puts her in the cab. Like, dude, you're dumb as hell. You are so dumb. It is unbelievable. How are you making any of these choices? Um, and then there's like this one, this one lady who's 42, but for 42, like she looks damn good. She's a beautiful woman. She's got kids and she's a little crazy, but she's, she's not that bad. And she's dating this like 24 year old dude from Amsterdam. And he is super controlling and honestly just like overly aggressive and, uh, kind of, uh, abusive, um, the way he talks to her. But people just fall for this shit. They're just like, oh, no, he can treat me like a dog every day, but I love him. Let's get married. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know, man. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to watch some really um, fun but pathetic stuff, there you go, before the 90 days. but Love it. Um, more importantly, I watched that stuff this morning while making a list of how long I've actually freaking known you and I completely forgot about the first time that we technically met, which was at a sad concert in Red Hook High School in, I have to say, this was probably 2003, 2004. Correct me more, if I'm wrong. Yeah, I'd say more like 04 to 06, somewhere in there. Okay. 04, probably. 04, 05. Okay. Um, yeah, whatever years you were operating that band, um, it was a band called Tomorrow Falls Silent. It was you, uh, on guitar, your brother on bass. You both did vocals, Chris did screaming and Dan Tetro on, on drums. I don't remember who else was in the band, if there was anyone else. Uh, well, Andrew Fossey at one point, we had a, him on drums, I believe early, early Tomorrow Falls Silent. Yeah. At this point, it was and, Dan Tetro, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and then Dominic, <laughs> Dominic Dokar. Or Dominic Dokar. Jeez. I've, no, Dom. Yeah. So many yeah, that's Interstate. No, Dominic Campanella. That was his name. Okay. But, so you end up playing at a, I, you know, and I can't remember who was at this show. If one of my, I'm sure Imposterous probably. No, I wasn't in Imposterous at this point. This is early on. Um, I don't know if one of my bands played, but I was at least running the show and running sound for the show, uh, courtesy of firehouse productions. Uh Uh-huh. And (laughs) yeah, that was cool. That was the first time I ever met you guys. You were from Pine Plains. Um, and it was at that time, I guess the only way you really heard about local bands was either through the early days of MySpace or people booking local gigs. And me and this girl, Emily, used to book concerts at my high school and uh, she asked you guys to play. So that was pretty sick. Then. Oh yeah. Okay. So after that, how long were you in tomorrow? False Island? Did you do that? Like through the remainder of high school? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. And then the year after that, we went to Dutchess community college and in a very terrible math class with a woman named Mrs. Evans or Miss Evans, who could hardly teach. Um, and this is also coming from someone who's a terrible student, so I shouldn't really say. But I'm a dumb dumb, and so is she. That's what I'm saying. But, okay. <laughs> math is not easy. Math is not easy. I'm very, very terrible at it. Um, I still don't have a grasp of it, and that's fine. Um, 
I, that, that's what phones are for, which is super cool. But you and I are in math class together. And at this time, I am playing in a pop punk band and I'm playing in T-Look. You are not in a band as far as I know at this moment. And you are showing me like tabs of songs that you've been writing while we're in class. So obviously everyone mm-hmm. knows how focused we are. Um, yep. <laughs> so um, I, at, at some point, went to hang out with my buddy Chris Plass and um, Dave over at Dave's house. And they had just started jamming with a, a buddy named Travis and were kind of starting a band and they needed a singer. And I was like, well, I know this dude, like he kind of sings and shit. And long story short, ended up introducing you to Dave and Plass. So um, I really, you should thank me every day that I introduced you to like your best <laughs> friend. But um, okay, so then that ended up being your second band that I know of. Were you in any bands before Tomorrow Falls Silent or no? None, no, no. Okay. Not like any, like, I just love going back as far as high school. It's not like we have to. I probably won't do it with every person that I ever talk to. But for us, it's fun because I've actually known you for that long. That's the better part of 15 years. Um, Oh, yeah. Which is pretty crazy. So you plus Dave, Travis, and who was the first bass player? Was it Brandon Bernard? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You guys started Interstate Affair or the interstate affair to be correct. Cause I'm pretty sure there are still recordings up on the internet. Are there any on like pure volume? Uh, I don't know if pure volume is still a thing. Oh, it's definitely still a thing. It is. Oh yeah. I thought I went to No, I, I honestly, if there is, I haven't checked and what's on MySpace, the songs won't actually even play <laughs> for some reason. Oh, no way. That yeah. sucks. <laughs> I know. Well, I will have to look. And it's funny, I wanted to, um, I was thinking about this recently, it'd be really fun just to take all the old Vision songs and put them on Bandcamp. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I want to do that. Um, But you end up starting this band and uh, playing in this band with them, I guess. I I would say, really, you all started it together. Um, But pretty quickly, you moved from just being the singer to playing guitar. I forget who left um, or how quickly Travis left, but I feel like it was within the first few months. You guys played one show with like Census Fail, maybe. Oh yeah, what? Why? Wow, this is going back. We're tr- <laughs> I'm trying, man. I really, I yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, we played a show with them. That was awesome. and that was your first show at the Chance, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Travis was still on guitar. He was. He was so nervous. I remember all of you guys were kind of bugging. <laughs> um, <laughs> Travis, I love you if you listen to this. Um, dude, Wild Times, what a show. And that was actually a great turnout for a first show, which eventually we'll get to the first Vision show, which also was a, a hell of a lineup. Well, but Here's what's funny about that show. is uh, I had this thing where I couldn't sing and play guitar without having my foot propped up on like a monitor wedge or something. So the monitor wedge was... I forget where it was. Were you was playing guitar? Yeah. At one show, uh, we played the chance where it was the full lineup. It was like we at one point we had uh, so many people in this band. Oh <laughs> like, my gosh! So I went to get a milk crate from the bar to put my foot on, 
And then I remember Dave's like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. And then the whole band has milk crates up on the uh, stage. Like, <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, classy <laughs> stuff. That's really, really classy stuff. Um, yeah, this is, I guess, before people were building our own, your own ego risers with um, floodlights inside them and Joe Schmo playing <laughs> with a power strip on the side. Um, which is legitimately how most people started doing lights. If oh yeah, <laughs> back then I did that oh, yeah. so many times at the Elks Lodge. It was amazing. Um, but so you guys played that show at Sensville. Interstate Affair ends up eventually becoming you moving to guitar, still singing, but you brought in your brother to scream, um, and it was pretty sick because you guys had a lot of energy. Chris was an insane front man. Dude was super aggressive. Like people were intimidated. It was awesome. So I think that was probably only like, what, like a year into doing the band in general. Oh yeah. And I kind of had a feeling that it would turn out that way. It's funny. He used to make fun of our stuff, but secretly liked it. And then eventually just ended up joining Chris, that is, my brother. Of course. Well, the first <laughs> stuff was pretty interesting. Now, wasn't, what was, Marcus was still in the band, right? And he was screaming? Yep. And you guys had that We All Bleed Red song, right? Oh, yeah, man. Oh, man. Hardcore. Shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, two screaming, two screaming. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, because you didn't really sing very much. You screamed a it was, lot. It's more like a shouting. I couldn't. I can't. I can't do Dude, that. Do man. you I have those could. recordings still? Oh, I'd have to dig. Need, I think I have the CD. We need to find those. I need to hear that. But yeah, you had a sick scream though. You also had a, a very nice singing voice, which eventually you started using much more. Um, and I shouldn't say had have. Um, Marcus, he. Oh, left the band pretty quick. I think it was maybe college stuff or never being home or whatever. Um, and then Chris joins the band. Travis leaves the band. You move just to guitar. It's you, Dave, uh, Brandon, Chris, and also Chris Plass on drums. And then you guys really actually start getting serious. You went to Ohio, you made an EP, um, and then really started hitting the local scene pretty damn hard. Because um, I, I feel like you guys and T-Look, my former band, were like rivals. We were, if we weren't on the yeah. show, you were on the show. And if you weren't on the show, we were on the show. Um, but we were the two w- local bands maybe at that moment who were really going neck and neck for each other, which was pretty cool, um, honestly. Uh, but you guys, how long... Uh, were you actually banned? I feel like you did the EP pretty early on at Spider Studios, if I mm-hmm. remember correctly. And then eventually you meet Tom DeGrazia, and he wrote some of the sickest... I shouldn't say right. I don't know how much he wrote, but recorded at least some of the sickest stuff with you guys. I remember when you... I think when everyone started recording with Tom DeGrazia, things just got better in the area. Um, yeah, I agree. Um just to correct myself, too, Dom Dokar did end up playing bass after Brandon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yes. I remember he did. I just didn't know at what point when he joined 
the band because I felt like Brandon played in the band for a while um, while we were all at Duchess and stuff. Um, but he did, yeah. But yes, Tom DeGrazia kind of. That's such an interesting time because he just changed how everyone did. He changed music the entire and recorded scene. music. Yeah, yeah, especially around here. It, it was just like, who's this kid that came up out of nowhere and now he's just Dude. recording every local band and doing a good job at the it. The amount of turds that he polished. Dude, it's crazy because he was, Tom DeGrazio was this guy who basically was like uh, Poughkeepsie's local Joey Sturgis. His stuff sounded reminiscent. And he ended up creating a few projects that became very successful. Um, He created a band called That's Outrageous that he played in for a while. And um, they did pretty damn good. And then, um, and they got signed off of just two songs off Pure Volume, which is wild. Had never played a show, anything. And then he was also the person who started and wrote the songs for a band called We Are The In Crowd. Um, And that band was hugely successful, still is, really, whenever they decide to operate. Um, But both badass projects. But, yeah, Tom was recording everyone and their mother. And you guys recorded with him a lot. Yes, we did quite a few songs with him. Man, what what was the, there was like the one that was about bees or something. Uh, EpiPen. Yeah, man, that song was ridiculous. It, that song is so stupid. <laughs> it was sick, though. Yeah, it was sick. Man, there was... Um, You're Killing Me, Smalls? Yeah. That, that one, one... That one was fun. I was a, legitimately a fan of. Like, I would go listen to that song all the time. And it starts out the way that every good heavy song should, which is just riff and scream. No words. Just... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. Um, I don't know at what point um, Interstate Affair ended. You guys played a lot of shows. You went hard. You bought a van. You started getting after it. What brought the end to the Interstate Affair? Man, trying to remember exactly. Were you guys broken up before we started Visions, or were you guys still technically a band? I think it just fizzled out naturally. I don't think there was any defining thing, but we were still at that point, obviously we were such a big group of friends that visions kind of just picked up the way it did. Anyways, I didn't know if Chris joined national guard at that point or not, but your brother that is, um, right. Yeah. It was, it was around that time period. Yeah. So long story short, I guess you guys started, being on the fritz um my band at the time me and one of the members um really did not get along and i ended up getting kicked out of t look and uh really i guess the catalyst for that was dude they there's the song i think it's still on youtube the last of our kind contention road and the singing part is very sick but i was supposed to sing on that song because i was the singer of the band and then uh, Matt just went and recorded the vocals for it one day. And then he was just the singer of the band from that point on. And I wasn't anymore. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and that wasn't actually, me and him still were able to remain cool. We're still friendly. Um, but me and and the, the screamo of that band didn't get along so good. I get kicked out of the band. Boom. I hang out with Chris Aiken at the loft the night that I get kicked out of the band. So I'm with him and Jeff 
And Aiken's like, well, dude, why don't you just come and join my band? Which at the time he was in a more immure inspired project, I'd say. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I don't really want to do the super heavy stuff. Um, flash forward a couple years and I'm in a project that plays in drop F. But um, <laughs> back then I was like, hey, I don't really want to do that. But why don't me, you, and a couple of the guys from Interstate Affair start a brand new project? And he was super into the idea. Soon uh, the five of us get together at Dave's and Rhinebeck and practiced Monday, Wednesday, Friday for like two years straight, I feel like. Um, oh, yeah. We went super hard. We were so disciplined when it came to practice. Well, Dave's bench, uh, bedroom was like a stage setup. Like <laughs> It was wild. Dave was very lucky um, and had a really awesomely huge bedroom. So we were able to have a full PA setup with drums, amps, everything, um, mic stands constantly set up in Dave's room so we could just walk in and practice at any moment, which got me into trouble a couple times because I'd go to pick something up and start playing drums and then Donna would get mad at me. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at drums too, so it wasn't even like it was good. But um, <clears throat> so Vision starts getting together and playing. We wrote a song called The Truth In You which is up on YouTube if you search Visions, The Truth in You. It's a different version. But we recorded our first version um, with Brendan, and we play our first show, which was a wild lineup. It was Silverstein headlining with Pierce the Veil, The Chariot, Miss May I, and A Bullet for Pretty Boy. And the year was... I don't know. Gosh, I looked up this tour before. I forget what year that actually... Tour was. I'm gonna look real quick just because I can't. Ah, yeah, done. I don't remember. 2010. 2010. Wow. Sounds right. Oh, it is right. I'm looking at the Lamgo article right now because I looked it up earlier. Nice. Um, but we play that show. I'm pretty sure it was sold out. Crazy way to start a band. Uh, it was also the first time I realized how bad my bald spot was. Because um, at the time I had a buzzed head and there was a picture from up on the balcony of me playing. And I was like, holy smokes, like I'm really losing my hair. Um, <laughs> Sniped. But we played that show. We ended up playing a lot of shows. But um, yeah, that was wild. I still like a lot of those bands, which is cool. I wish the Chariot was still a band, but it's not. Um, yeah, they were cool to see. Yeah, they were really cool to see. I still try to be as good as them, but I'm not. Um, so. <laughs> Shortly after we did that show, maybe played a few others that were or weren't as notable. Um, We had an advantage because Jeff, who was Chris's best friend and one of my best friends, um, started managing the band. He also promoted in the area. So we had an advantage at getting on very good shows, and he was gracious about it. But we also sold a lot of tickets, and Chris particularly sold a lot of tickets and worked very hard. But back then it was easier because we were young and we had friends. Now we're old and we don't. But um, (laughs) um, so shortly thereafter, we wrote a few more songs and we called up our boy, Matthew Wentworth. And we went to New Hampshire to record four songs. And 
I'm all of them but machine language are on YouTube. I'm pretty sure. I don't know why machine language isn't, but I really want to listen to that song again because it was a heater. Oh, that's weird. I have it, so we can upload it. That would be sick. Um, but so we go and we record this four song demo with Matt. It was really our first experience of being, I'd say my first experience of being in a quote unquote real band and leaving, you know, home to go and try to cut some songs together. Um, Matt and us had gone back quite a ways when they first started touring our last night. That is, um, he would stay, they would stay at my parents' house and we were all good friends. So it was just a natural, um, place to go where we felt comfortable and he smashed it. That EP sounds awesome. We had our friend Stetson Whitworth, who now is our friend, but at the time was just friends with Matt. He came and, um, engineered on the song pages and really helped with the whole thing in general. But, um, and Matt sang on Tory Black, right? Yes. Because we have a yep. song called Tory Black because Tory Black is a very hot <clears throat> porn star. What the relevance is to the song, I have no <laughs> idea. Um, I'm pretty sure she's retired now. But if, uh, yeah. It's a love, it's a love I'm song. I'm not going to like tell you to go look at her because that's weird. But um, if you don't know who she is, that's who Tory Black is. I'm pretty sure if you Google her. It'll come up way before our song ever would have. But, um, which, why did we do that? So stupid, but it was funny. It, I think it was just around that time period where it's just like cool to name a song that was just made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, like bands like Chiodos and shit did that. And I liked, I liked that. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine why else we did that. <laughs> I still stand by that EP, though. Those songs are good. And that EP sounds great. Um, I went and listened Absolutely. to it pretty recently. Tory Black in itself is a heater, um, and I will stand by that. I would, you know, we should re-put out that stuff from Vision just for fun. Um, <clears throat> but Matt smashed that thing. We started playing a ton of shows, got a little bit of buzz on the internet, not in like a super steamy way, but... Got an email or two from a label. People seemed like they were interested, and then they really weren't. But it felt good nonetheless. We were excited. At that point, I think we really started to hit it. Um, we did the seven-day run with um, My Ticket Home, That's Outrageous, and Casino Madrid. And that was super fun. Because back then, you could go and play shows and not get paid, and it was worth it. Um and it still is. And if you want to get on the road, you should go play shows for free. But we did, and it actually worked out really great for us. We had an incredible time on that run. Um, I still remember those Hondi videos where, like, uh, we woke up my ticket home sleeping in their van with, like, a snare drum and a china cymbal. Oh, yeah. We're terrible. Like, they were probably like, yeah, let's, like, never be friends with these guys again. I mean, to be fair, wasn't it, like, 12 or 1 o'clock? It was pretty late. Um, <laughs> it was pretty late. Uh, so, yeah, they they probably should have been up and at them anyway. And we were, you know, we were having fun. So that was super fun tour. I had a great time. That it. was a great one, yeah. And I actually, I didn't meet her, but I saw my fiance for the first time on that tour. Cause she actually went to see Max who was playing and that's outrageous at the firehouse place in Rhode Island in Providence that we played. And I saw her across the parking lot and I was like, damn bitch. Mm, I'm a 
get. And, you know, now she's like mine forever or whatever until she tries to run away. Um, so that's pretty cool. And I, you know, I'm, I, I love her and I think she's great. But, um, yeah, so that's the first time that I ever saw my fiance. Did I say anything to her? Absolutely not. Why? Because I'm a creep. But uh, <laughs> um, that show also sucked because, well, we got to play and we had a great time. But the show did not fully get to play out because Casino Madrid tried to, they, they just let their fog machine go so hard that all the fire alarms went off and fire trucks yep. came. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good job. I remember that. Freaking dummies. That's crazy. But the irony too, being in a fire house building. And you know, it's it's funny. They did one thing that I remember every day when we got to a venue, they would go right into the girls' room and start doing their hair. And I was like, Man, like why y'all like go right to the girls' room? Like, whatever. Like but I guess that makes sense. And now that I tour, dude, first thing I do when I get to a venue is I'm like, nobody ain't here. I'm going to the girls' room. I'm taking a poop. Because that's the best toilet. Like, if it's not in my yep. green room, like, I'm, because I better have a nice toilet in my green room. But if I don't, then I go poop in the girls' room until people are there. You know, it's pretty cool. I like yeah, it. Yeah, toilet's a toilet. Toilet's a toilet. Um, but sometimes you go, there's a lot of venues that, like, you go in the guys' room and there's no rim on the toilet or, you know, there's a lot of grungy, grungy places. Still blood on the floor. Blood on the dance floor. Um, <laughs> yeah, right from all the mosh. Um, another. <laughs> so much mosh. Oh, my gosh. So much mosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, do you remember or have any fond memories from that run we did with those guys back then? I have a lot of memories, yeah. With my ticket home guys. Yeah, that was fun. And I really, I remember going to the Amish market for the first time. And that was like my first place that I was like, man, I really like Lancaster. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Culture shock. Another interesting tour thing we did was we followed warp tour for 10 days, starting in Ohio. And we were just on guest list every day and we had to go and sell dollar download cards to make enough money to get to the next spot. And it was rough. Our van, she, although remotely comfortable, had no AC, and we just cooked for 10 days. It was insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> I remember just like when we would try to actually stop and play a song and just feeling like the dorkiest people in the whole world. Um, <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Um, but eventually... Things started getting a little bit, or seemed um, pretty good for us. We were going to get signed to, or I shouldn't say get we were going to. We were in talks with a label, and the label was huge. They were Roadrunner Records. We ended up playing a showcase for some of the A&R people from the show in a like a little jazz club in New Jersey, and there's just like eight people at the back of the room. It's totally blacked out. And then we're playing. And lo and behold, they didn't sign the band that day. So we end up gradually breaking up. Because at that point, we didn't get signed. Uh, Matt, Jeff was managing Sworn In. We'll bring him on to talk about that at some point. Chris left our band as the Screamo 
to go and become the tour manager of Sworn In. And pretty much at this point, it was uh, getting rough for us. We went out, we got a new drummer because our drummer also quit. I was now playing bass, screaming, and singing. We went and did one tour where a couple of the shows, the venues didn't even know we were supposed to play there. Uh, the guy, and dude, I would love to to uh, shout out that guy who booked that tour, but I'm not because <laughs> honestly, fuck that dude. But that was wild, wild stuff, man. Us in restless streets, and it was supposed to be the para, the paramedic, which terrible band name, but um, they didn't end up doing it, and for good reason that they didn't do it. So we broke up. Our band was was dead. That was it. No farewell. And eventually, I guess you went on to... I've, I don't know what you were doing in between that time period. Um, our band broke up maybe like a year and a half later is when I started um, trying out for Fit for a King or so. Um, but after a break of not seeing everybody, eventually... I call you, me, you, and Evan, we get together, and what happens, Melvin? Well, we start jamming, and Spiral Gaze is formed. Did you have those chords, like, in your back pocket, or where did that come from? No, that just happened that night. So, we, we as an off-road minivan, started just as myself melvin and evan getting together to jam one night and somehow melvin whipped out this magic that all i had to do was follow it and go and it (laughs) turned into just a magical song called spiral gaze um and at this point then you started demoing it and um It sounded super crispy. For those that don't know, Melvin, although doesn't uh, really release too much stuff, is quite the mixer and engineer. Um, So at this point in the band, it's you, Will Manning, myself, and Evan, right? Just the four of us? Yes. At first, okay. We played one show in Albany with Daisy Head and Only Sibling. At the fuse box, I'm pretty sure. Yes, the fuse box. Um, Will ends up leaving the band. Technically, throughout the whole time, Dave is in the band, but he's just at college, so he's never played in the band, but we tell him he's in the band Um, (laughs) because he's our friend. (laughs) And um, I think you surprised all of us with putting together this pretty goddamn awesome demo for um spiral gaze and we went into the studio that evan worked at and recorded demo vocals and by we i'm pretty sure you engineered the vocals as well that night yep we used the mic that they have there which is pretty sweet i forget what it is we just did it there and then you you just took the vocals went back mixed the whole demo right and that's what i showed to to, uh tooth and nail for the first time yeah cool so melvin smashes this demo it sounds super crispy 
And I'm like, well, if we want to put out stuff, I probably should show the label anyway. Um, so why not just show it to them? I show them the song and, oh, here we go for today. <coughs> yes. But, you know, my favorite podcast has a burp, has a fart mic. So I'm just going to like throw my burps in there. I did some yesterday that were pretty bad. But regardless, we show the song to Adam and he asks what we wanted to do. So I just blurted out, uh, make an EP and shoot a music video. And they agreed. And all of a sudden, Off-Road Minivan is starting to work with Tooth & Nail Records. What's up, everybody? Now is the time of the show where I'm going to interrupt for a minute and make you listen to something new. Uh, Be that this week is focused on Off-Road Minivan, I was hoping we would get some lighter submissions. And luckily, we got this super heater. I really like it, at least... This band Colorblind from Texas sent me a song called At The Wheel, and I've definitely been semi-familiar with them. I've seen some ads on Facebook and Instagram, and I believe that they played the last So What that we played, but I could be mistaken. Regardless, the band is hustling, and I dig that. I will always try to uh, look into someone that at least I keep seeing the ads over and over again because I must be somewhere in the algorithm and into bands that they are trying to push towards. So they were correct this time, and I very much enjoy Colorblind. So thanks for sending me this song, guys. Uh, Keep up the hustle. Keep pushing it. It's really great to see young people working so hard towards their craft, and this is definitely one of the hardest-working young bands in the country at the moment. So I hope you enjoy this song. It is definitely for our higher register um, post-hardcore fans like Circus Survive and stuff, but it's fucking sweet. I'm into it. There's a music video out. Please go and check it out. They have a bunch of other ones as well, but here is At The Wheel by Colorblind.
So at this point, I think we had a couple songs written because we had played a show, but we really didn't have the songs put together the way that they ended up on the EP, right? Oh, no. I mean, that's kind of always been the case. It always changes. Yeah. Well, that and that EP, I guess at that point, we started getting really serious in terms of trying to put something together. You, we had already smashed out um, Spiral Gaze. I know I, I came to you guys with an acoustic version of Glow with the melodies, and then you guys just filled it out and made it epic. Um. At some point, I for, I think um, I, I should step back a bit. Miles had joined the band. We wrote Light Up the Room together. Yeah, and, Miles, was a, Miles was a big part of that song. Yeah, um, yeah, because he came up with that whole intro guitar part thing mm-hmm. and playing with his volume knob and shit. And then we, you wrote 17 years primarily, I'm pretty sure. Um, I had that chorus from a song I had written with my friend Max, who I also wrote the song Selfish Eyes with. Um, it's great. Your, uh, the melody and lyrics worked for the chorus we ended up coming up with for that, too. Yeah, I feel like you just came forward with a demo for that, and then I just slapped that melody on it, and it just worked, um, yeah. if I remember correctly. Because how can, you know, it's the song with the breakdown. Of course Melvin wrote it. That makes sense. <laughs> And I I think that you wrote an even more epic breakdown for this one, so I'm very excited for everyone to hear it. Um, which is interesting. I had asked people for questions for you, and one person asked if we could have one non-rock person sing or or feature on a song. Who would it be? And I was like, man, it would be cool to get um, like Trevor from Black Dahlia Murder to scream the end of Carousel Blues. Yeah. yeah. I tried to do it in the studio and it was bad. So that's why there's no screaming on it. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to scream, as you all hear occasionally on this show with my frying. Um, but really, I'm terrible at it. Um, Honestly, I think the ending without it is probably better off. Yeah, I agree. But we'll but, let we'll let the people decide. We'll let the people decide. Um but what was your process like for recording the EP? Can you explain it a little bit? Yeah, so I was always inspired by bands that would kind of take the DIY approach with a lot of things. And I know with, I'm sure people can hear the influence, but with Thrice, when they came out with the Alchemy Index, that was all done themselves in a little garage. And it's just like, well, we could all do that. We've been, we've known each other for so long. We wrote our own I didn't stuff know for that. so many years. Yeah. Wow. And yeah, uh, I might butcher his name, but Tepe, Tepe? I think it's he, Tepe. Tepe. He uh, engineered all of their stuff for that, and they did it themselves. But yeah, that was the approach. And it's just like, well, we can do this. We've done it. We've tracked our own stuff before. Yeah. And it, you. so you did the guitars and bass at your place. Um I know I came over and tracked, I think I just did um, Spiral Gaze and Glow, and I think you recorded the bass for 17 years and Light Up the Room, if I remember correctly. Yep. And then you recorded Dave and 
Miles' parts. Was Dave home at this point? Did he record on the EP? He, he was home at this point. Okay. And we went to Evan's studio, and you tracked the live drums there. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of people really did love the way that those drums came out. I remember Mike Watts commenting on how good they sounded um, when he went to mix the EP. But was it difficult for you to just pick up and track drums? I don't know if you had ever done that before. I've never done that before. It is, that, was the, that EP was the first time. First and only time, if I'm correct. Um, yep, correct. But something worked. It sounded great. Uh, we ended up taking all the tracks that you recorded and that we recorded for the drums at, at Evan's place. I end up tracking vocals at um, Brendan's place in New Paltz. Um, shout out to Gain Stage Audio, Brendan Williams. Um, he is a local engineer recording currently. Uh, he has done, if you're into the band Soulblind, his own band Warm. And actually, as of today, as we're recording, mind you, um, there's a new song out by the band Worn Thin. I'm pretty sure he did that too. But regardless. Um, so we take all these tracks, we send them to Mike Watts over at Voodoo Studio. He smashes it. It sounds epic. We flash forward and we make a music video. Music video pretty much wouldn't happen without you and your family because it's a majority of the shoot. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a cool idea. Yeah, I think out of, I don't know, it's probably my most fond, like, video shoot experience just because we had such control of the setting and it was basically just hanging out with friends other than losing my voice the worst that I ever have from being so drunk and yelling too much. <laughs> um, that was an insane time. So it was, gosh, your brother was in it, your sister-in-law, your future nephew, cause he was in her belly, Scott Coleo, your fiance. And then we had a bunch of other good friends, um, you know, like Travis in it and, uh, Mike Eamon again, we shout, a shout out to Mike, talk to him, Marcus. About him on. Yeah. Marcus, the OG vocalist. Um, so many people, it was insane. What a great time. Um, yeah, I think that was, it was really nice to have that experience of feeling like getting to do something super legit with you guys. Um, I think through all the experiences I've received with Fit for a King and I'm super blessed to be able to do, it's just really nice to get to do something with your boys, your guys that you grinded with, you know, when it was just, we had to pay for everything and we'd got nothing and to then get treated to, you know, all right, guys get together for a weekend and make this awesome music video with all the people that you love. I don't think there was really a better way to start a project than to do that, um, yeah, felt super pretty, special. Oh, yeah, pretty seamless, too. Yeah, so over that time, we released the EP February of 2018, I'm pretty sure, um, right around Valentine's Day. We've done a couple little tours. We did um, the Bliss Tour. We did that one Bloom Tour, and we did... Um, one little acoustic tour with Davey Muse. Shout out. Davey has a new podcast as well. And I forget what it's called. I'm going to have to look that up. 
But just go follow Davey Muse on social media, and then you can check out his podcast. But... Uh, so we did a little bit of touring, came time for a new record. You had a very heavy hand again in the creation of our new album, which is titled Swan Dive, out May 15th on Tooth & Nail Records. Um, what, explain your role, I guess, and what you did for this record, because um, you kind of take foot in, in a couple different, in, or uh, how do I put this? You do a lot of shit, Melvin. That's it. <laughs> you did a lot of songwriting, you did a lot of engineering, like explain it a little bit. Well, because the EP worked out and we knew we wanted to keep going anyway, it's just like, let's just do it again. Um, I like doing it, honestly. It, it can be stressful with everything going on, but it's really cool to see it just come to fruition and just work out. When you send stems off to somebody, they get back to you a day or two later and they're like, oh yeah, this is easy. Like, great job. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> but again, yeah, all the guitars, we've done it two different places because me and my fiance were in the process of trying to find a, a new apartment. So now you're homeowners. We are, we are, uh, it'll be about a year now. Yeah. Year pretty wild. Living in the neighborhood that I grew up in, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, literally a few houses down. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so you engineered the guitar and the bass for this record yet again. Um, but now we've 13 songs, which is a heck of a lot more. But, dude, how did you learn, like, what the right uh, setting for guitar is when you're recording? How an engineer wants to, um, or a mixer wants to receive it? Like, how did you just realize uh, or learn what the settings are, how to properly set up your rig and, and deliver a product to someone that is worthwhile? I think it's important to keep things super simple and just don't destroy the DI signal on the way in. As long as you have a, a clean signal and a, a guitar player who can just play, it doesn't have to be super clean. That's another thing I'm kind of not against, but I've never done is I've never chopped up guitar to a grid or anything like that. Cause I, I just think that's ridiculous, but. Um, oh, interesting. Just, yeah. I've never, if I did do it ever, it was because a lead, it was maybe for a lead that was a little misaligned, but I can't even remember doing that. None of the tracks were sent cut up um, to the grid anyway. That's amazing. But yeah. It just gives, it keeps it natural and just, you know what I mean? It shouldn't sound, sound choppy. And I agree. You need enough. some life. Yeah. Um, I, and I think that that suits our band very well. Um, what did you use? I know, I think you just have a Scarlet Focus, right? If I'm correct. Um, or, or what yeah. is your interface? I literally just go from my baritone Telecaster into my Countryman DI into my Focusrite Scarlet 8i6, which is discontinued, but you you could just use a 2i2, which a lot of people use nowadays, and it's just as good. It's the same That's what thing. I'm using right now. Yeah, those are like super popular right now and they're amazing yeah but that's they're, it they're cheap and tiny and easy to have um but what's the di you said that you have a guitar di oh the countryman uh what is it type 185 i think it's called it's pretty awesome so what's the point in having a di before the interface i use it because i take it takes the ts signal and it comes out xlr straight into the uh interface and it just cleans it up so much better it, I, the average ear probably couldn't hear it, but 
I've noticed a huge difference. And that was actually recommended years ago by Mike Collation, who we used to record with as well back in the Visions days. Yes, he is someone that we will have on the show um, eventually as well, because he masters pretty much everyone's favorite band. He masters more records than I can name, and he everything from Emure, We Came as Romans, to I know he just did some like major pop stuff recently, like our a day to remember. He just did the new a day to remember single. Dude is mastering everything. He is huge. Michael Agent, Rogue Planet mastering. If you want to get your songs mastered by someone, he is very inexpensive, and you get to work with the best. Seriously, Rogue Planet mastering. Check it out. Boom, Michael Agent. But yeah, I, he will be on later. Yeah, I loved working with him when he used to record. Uh, he was great. I loved doing those signal singles we did with him. Yeah, I you guys were peas in a pod. Oh, yeah. We worked great together, and I selfishly wish he was recording again. But <laughs> Yeah, it would be interesting if you could get him to do it at some point. I think he just is doing so well that yeah. to get him to take any time away from mastering, it would be just such a financial loss for him. <laughs> oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, I wish we could record with him. We did a song called 18 with Mike, and that is up on youtube it's hard to find because there was obviously a band called 18 visions which is why we had a song called 18 but um i'll have to try to find some links and put it up on my facebook or something reality check and dead end are on uh youtube i believe yeah reality check by visions featuring uh tay jardine from we are the in crowd that song rocks it's super good at least in my opinion i love it i still love that band um and dead end which is the only song ever since I was 15 that I actually screamed on and I could scream back then. Um, it's uh, pretty sick. You can find that on YouTube as well um, pretty easily. Visions, Dead End. But you, that song had the greatest Melvin breakdown ever. <laughs> I still listen to that song. Oh, same here, dude. I and love that song. Yes, the title... I saw somebody ask, yes, the title was a metaphor because that was pretty much towards the end of the vision stage. So dead end. Yeah, sadly, it really, I think we couldn't have gone out any better way than with that song. Um, and it was an interest. I liked it because I remember at that time, like Dave was going through a hard thing. We tried to write the lyrics together and kind of have it be a collaborative effort. Um, but overall, I think the passion for the band was at a really stale place, which looking back on it, if we would have maybe gotten a new bass player, I did vocals, got you know either a new drummer, stuck with that one, whichever way. Um, you know, even though I didn't, you know, we didn't get along too great, but it was fine. I had a good time. Um, we ended up actually making a very cool project later on, and it escapes me what the name of it is. But we quit, band is dead, boom, Visions died. It was sad stuff. <laughs> but it was great stuff. Good it was time. great stuff. Dead End was a hell of a song, man. Um, and shout out to Brittany Mack, who at the time, I mean, I think it was just she lived a more straight-edge lifestyle, and I didn't, and that's the only reason why we butted heads. Other than that, she was the best damn drummer I'd ever played with um, up until that point. Um, not to say that she's uh, not still amazing. Um, 
she absolutely is. I think she does more pop-oriented stuff, if I'm correct, these days. Um, I don't know. Do you know what she's doing? Last I checked, I think it was kind of cover, like doing cover drum cover stuff of, of like the pop stuff, yeah. But she is, she's killer, man. Insane. She used to play in this band that we were... Um, I know Interstate Affair played with pretty often. I was just a big fan of his band called Take One Car. If you are into, like, Me Without You, which is a lot, maybe some people who are uh, solid state or tooth and nail old schools, they'll like them. Me Without You is one of the best bands ever anyway. But if you like Me Without You, if you like Brand New, if you like that kind of Manchester Orchestra, gritty rock, you know, alternative stuff, dude, Take One Car. What an amazing band. The most underrated band from the Hudson Valley ever. Um, and I think that they should have been so much bigger. I just, oh, God. Band is so good. I think they're still playing occasionally, but I, I believe Tyler's more involved in politics these days or something. Um, yeah, they were super great. Super great to see live, too. Yeah. Um, is it weird when you engineered the EP or engineered the record? Um, do you find it e- easier to engineer for yourself than it is to engineer for other people? Or do you enjoy tracking uh, Miles and Dave? I do think it's easier to do to do myself, but it's also not too bad to you know teach someone how to track appropriately because I assume we're going to be doing this more. So it's it's fine, but yeah, I, I I would say that if it were just me, I could get it done a lot faster. But no, it makes sense. Um, and yeah, I mean, I assume we'll we'll probably keep doing it. I mean, I'd love to be able to take time to go record somewhere with the band. It's just so hard to have everyone's schedules match up. And right now, uh, no one has any money to do anything and you're not allowed to go anywhere. So it doesn't matter. Um, Well, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, you've really acquired the skill that has made our band be able to achieve things, um, much more easily and with just as good of a product, which is extremely lucky. And most people don't necessarily have that, but, uh, I guess what I'm trying to encourage is that anyone really can. We were lucky enough to have other people reamp the project or to um, mix the project. But all in all, these are Melvin's recordings, which is pretty damn sick. Um, what is, explain to the people what your live rig is. Um, it's pretty simple, but goddamn, does it sound good. So years ago, and I forget his name. I think his name was Adam, your good friend from back in the day. Had a Adam, Mesa, yeah. a Mesa two by twelve cab. Um, I used that, which I ripped the Tolex off, sanded it down, and stained it. Looks pretty sweet. It's just that and my thirty watt Laney Cub head with my. I usually primarily use my Baritone Telecaster, but uh, pretty simple. Just a reverb uh, delay. What's the reverb that you use? Uh, TH1, I believe it's called. God, we haven't played a show in so long. I'm like, yeah. T2, excuse me. It's a T2 by uh, TC Electronics. And the delay is just one of those, like, Digi Delay uh, DD7s, I think, right? Uh, yeah, it's an older DD3. Oh, okay. Um, and anything? You use one of the mini tube screamers, right? Y- yeah, I love that thing. If you guys want the tube screamer but think it's too expensive get the mini it is awesome 
Yeah, your tone really, like, I don't know why. Because when I look at it, it seems so simple where I'm, you're pretty sure you run everything um, right at five um, across the board. Yeah, another trick I learned from Mike Collision was just always start with everything at five. Like, people will hear tones recording or live and just think crank the gain, crank bass, and it's just a recipe for disaster. Just start at five and go from there. Yeah, I think for you, you have one of the cleanest while semi-aggressive tones. I think every note really stands out, and um, it's, I don't know, your your tone just is so unique. And it, I know of a few of your influences, but uh, if I'm correct in saying that it's kind of got this Oceana Birth Eater, um, Tim McTague, uh, early Underoath kind of vibe to it. I know. It's, it's really cool that people can hear that. Like, I have friends that... And like random people that have said to me that uh, they can tell what part on a song that I came up with or something just because of what the riff is, which is really cool. But I do owe a lot of that to bands like Under Oath and uh, later Oceana. Yeah, I'd say the the Birth Eater EP into Clean Head and further stuff, I guess, before they really came Polyenzo. I don't know if they did anything after the Clean Head EP. But I know you love that stuff, and it definitely, um, if you listen to that band, can hear the ties between that and our band. Um, it's just so interesting, like the sounds they what they were able to do with just by playing chords differently. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I still love that influence, and I think that people seem to gravitate towards your style. I would say uh, Spiral Gaze did pretty pretty well for us and definitely was the most popular song on our ep and so far vampire seems to be doing the best as well so i'm pretty fucking stoked on it i i love vampire i'm so into that song and i can't wait to show everyone the music video for it oh yeah that's great <laughs> well another secret too to our whole sound is like the fact that the all the rhythms on the ep end the album were the baritone guitar with the tunings we play in, which are super low that no one really knows, you know? Is it drop A or drop B, or you mix between the two? Uh, on the album, I think we mixed a little bit between the two, but the EP was primarily drop B. I think Vampire is drop B, but like Spiral Gaze now is in drop A, right? Yes, we did change that. Okay, cool. I hope people like it. I think they will. But, um, okay, that explains, I was, you know, I was really just trying to get to the, I guess I forgot about Oceana Cleanhead and how much of an influence that oh, had that, on you. That, that EP is just beautiful. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's pretty damn magical. I, um, I just, I don't know why Polyenso hasn't caught or why people aren't listening to them more. But I think even the stuff they're doing now um, is pretty damn sweet. It's definitely less guitar-driven, but it's cool. Yeah, I think they they do kind of like coffee coffee club kind of like music now. <laughs> yes. I Yeah, it seems more like um, how many synthesizers can we play with at once, which is yeah. cool. Um, I just don't understand synths very well because uh, they sound awesome, but... They're hard. At but. least the analog ones, not the ones that just are like a digital synth. Because I can, oh, I know, I can noodle, I can noodle. 
Um, but I'm terrible. That's what Evan's job is, is playing anything at any moment that's beautiful on the piano. Um, but with the new album, what's your favorite song off Swan Dive? Oh, you're going to do this to me, aren't you? I'm going to do it to you. <laughs> Jeez. I really like you. I'm going to have to say you. If That's the first one that pops up. And I, I owe a lot of that decision to... Dave came up with an awesome... Without that bass line, that song would not be the same, I think. It just... It's so good. That's sick. Did you... Um, so I know Dave obviously tracked all the bass for it. Um, did you use the Music Man? Oh, man. If... I'm pretty if sure we, it was the sparkly purple Stingray. Yes, it was. Um, which is my custom uh, double humbucker Stingray from 2017... Um, it's one that I've never taken, I, I took it on half of warp tour and that's it. Other than that, it's never seen the road and it stays in great condition. Um, cause I'm a big fat dumb dumb and I break all my shit. So I let this one stay home because it's beautiful. Um, but cool. I'm glad that you, uh, used that. Was it just kept, um, pretty flat on the bass as well? Um, or what do you remember any of the settings on that? Yeah, I definitely probably turned the mid down a little bit, but that's it again like i let the mixing stage kind of do its thing and leave everything just pretty plain and simple okay um do you use the same di uh when you're recording the bass as well yes everything goes through that cool that's very sick um so if anyone wants to build their own little at-home rig they can do it pretty quick too and um what's the the daw that you're using to record these things just Pro Tools. Oh, okay. Cool. It used to be, when I first started off, it was Cubase, um, which I still kind of miss. Cubase is pretty awesome, really user-friendly, and it's it's just great. I love Cubase, but uh, switching to Pro Tools just made it easier with um, sending files and stuff like that because a lot of mixers use it. And I just know it so well at this point that it doesn't make sense to switch. Yeah, cool. absolutely. Well, yeah, I'm... I'm slowly starting to learn how to use logic and i'm just so bad at recording but (laughs) i want to be better Uh, when this is all said and done i'll have to come and play with you and we'll have some fun try to make some shit um but it's funny i was gonna ask you and uh i it's i guess it's funny that i'm gonna ask you and not him but i guess i could tomorrow as well but i was gonna say who wrote that baseline in you because i wasn't there i was on tour dave huh all right Cause that shit rocks. It's, it's real so good. good. <laughs> uh, it makes me very thankful that I stopped playing bass in the band. Um, because I wouldn't have written that bass line and it's really good. Um, Wait, now I can't just, I don't know, man. I can't pick a number one. It's gotta be you, but. Ugh. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know what my favorite song is. Um, and I've friends that I've given the record to, I've had some interesting ones. Like one of my friends, um, Shout out to Norberto Pena. He, his favorite song is Carousel Blues, which I think is cool. That is cool. Um, a lot of people seem to uh, enjoy you the most, though. Uh, a few friends of mine that I've shown it to, I'm just like, all right, give me that, give me the one track. What's the number one? And they're like, oh, you is it? I think anyone that's around our age that liked Third Eye Blind style kind of shit, they'll probably gravitate towards it. Um, and then I just have trouble not loving vampire or like the darker side of our band just because it 
I don't know. It reminds me of like 30 seconds to Mars and AFI and stuff like that, that I really love. Um, but yeah. Okay. So that's your favorite to you. That's fine. Right answer. now. Right now. Yes. What would be your number two? Vampire supernova. I'm going to keep going. Supernova, the title track. I, there, I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, the, the title, title track. The title track, I just I, I just love. I don't know. It, it's great. Same. And I constantly forget about that song um, just because. We've known we it for so long. We've known it for so <laughs> long. I mean, how long have we really been working on this record? Like three years? And some of the ideas that formed into songs, yeah, were around. I had from when we were writing the EP. It's so funny the way that our band works, because sometimes, too, like, Melvin will send, like, ten clips of, like, minute-long riffs. And I remember, like, for for Supernova, for instance, you sent the clip for that intro riff, and then I mm-hmm. asked you, like, how do you play this? And then you showed it to me, because that's how bad I am at guitar that I can't figure anything <laughs> out. I have to ask someone how to do it. Still to this day, every Fit for a King song that I learn, Daniel or Bob send me a video of them playing it so I can just watch their hands. But, um, so you send me a video of you playing it, and then I ended up coming up with uh, a good chunk of Supernova and sending it back to the band. It kind of came out like Glow did. Um, But yeah, you just have this plethora of riffs that we can kind of go through at any time and pull out some some cool shit. So I think Swan Dive happened that way. And I'm pretty sure you wrote most of that song yourself, right? Yeah, that was pretty much... I had already demoed that musically. And actually... Maybe we wrote the bridge as a band? That's I was it. just going to say, we wrote the bridge as a band. And I think that was it. Yeah, okay. that makes sense. Um, I know... I. Th- God, I'm having a brain fart on the name of our own damn song at the moment. What a dumb dumb. Oh my God, let me look real quick. Uh, Keepsake was definitely something that you had, I think, in the old school too. (laughs) But, um, which is interesting. That story that I wrote about in that song has seen a lot of development. And um, it's pretty wild stuff the way that that worked out. We'll have to talk about it off air. I need to tell you guys about it more. Um, And eventually (laughs) I'll explain it, but it's a fucked up story and way more fucked up than I thought. Um, So that's alluding to something. But uh, yeah, and I can't remember what else was from the bank. I think I also interrupted you. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm looking at the list right now. It's harder to make it. We wrote that as a group, or you had that beforehand. The intro. I think we were all together when we started that one. Yeah. All right. That's a great one too. That's a great track. That's a summer track, man. Um, it just feels feels good. I think that's people definitely will enjoy a summer it. track. Yep. That's Evan's favorite. Um, for sure. He's said that through and through. And I wish that this uh, COVID-19 wasn't going on because then we would film a music video for it. Um, even though now would probably be an even better time to do it just because everything's dead. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I like that song a lot. It makes yeah, me happy. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan. Would you ever want to produce or engineer for other bands? Yeah, I, that would be fun. Producing and engineering, I think. That'd be a lot of fun. 
it's songwriting is just fun. I don't have any, I don't know music theory and, or anything like that. I just pretty much just like, Oh, that sounds cool. I like that. And then it just gets laid down. <laughs> I think a lot of guys are like that. It seems like a lot of producers are like that. They just have to know how to, you know, track and mix pretty well, but all in all, if you have an ear and you can write good songs, that's all that really matters. And I think there's probably a good chunk of, of people who are in bands who would, maybe they like our band and they're like, man, I'd love to write a song or two with Melvin. Um, if there is a way for them to do that, how could they reach you? Like maybe an email or something? Yeah, email or my handle on Instagram and Facebook is pretty easy. It's literally just my name, Melvin Brinson. At Melvin Brinson. Um, but yeah, I think that would be cool. It would be interesting to hear your take on other bands or get to hear you mix other bands. Um, although you haven't mixed REP or our record, you are really good at it. Um, I think that's kind of on us where we've gone and just been like, well, this seems like the safe thing to do and maybe would be a little easier on you, be that you already do so much. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, maybe in the future you'll mix our stuff if you wanted to. I honestly don't see why not. Yeah. I've always wanted to take a, a song and just kind of take a stab at it. I think the only part that we'd really have to um, have a challenge of is doing vocals. We'd have to get some stuff to do vocals well, but um, uh, like a mic, like a better mic than what I'm using, but maybe not. I have no idea. I remember even, I think Joey Sturgis used like a crappy audio technica on a few of his early records. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, another thing too about the theory is that I'm afraid to brush up and like polish up on it because I don't want to overanalyze everything then. I feel like if I know too much about theory, then I'm just like, oh no, that won't, that doesn't work because that's a minor. And this is a, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to get stuck in that kind of stuff. If, like, I don't know. I think um, we've definitely, like you can see people that um, when they're writing songs, um, not specifically anyone in our band, but people that do get locked in that far too often where, they're so caught up in the, I guess, the math of it, um, where they're like, no, this technically doesn't, this, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. But if it sounds right to you and it's what you want it to sound like, that should be all that matters yes. is this is what I want. This is how I want it to sound. I don't care if it's technically incorrect. That's what I want. So that's what it's going to be. And I think that that's what's helped you to be so unique. You have an extremely unique sound. You have something that stands out. Like you said, People can listen to our record guaranteed first time through. They'll be able to pick out all the Melvin parts. It's easy. You just, you, you stand out so much. Um, and that, I think that's what helps keep the project um, unique in a world where there's a million things anyone can listen to. Um, but what are the bands that really, um, other than like Oceana, what was the early stuff that really got you? I guess was it. Um, oh, this under, is easy. Yeah. Uh, definitely, un but before Under Oath, Our Last Night, I remember being in junior <laughs> high school and hearing their demo version that Matt actually did at the time of Escape. Dude, that, I was hooked. Dude, that song was so good. And that was also one of our first early interactions with each other was we went to see Our Last Night separately at Club mm -hmm. Crannell in Poughkeepsie. And you and I both were just like <laughs> screaming our faces off to the song right in front of the stage. And Trevor's like 14 at the time. <laughs> um, what a weird thing to get to do. Um, 
and we we weren't friends, but we I think there was just something that maybe sparked that day that we were like, hmm, well maybe there's more here than I than I thought. Because um, then shortly thereafter, I saw you at school, so that was pretty cool. Yes, sir. And I didn't then, know uh, Matt recorded those though. He the early demos, which I don't even know if you could find them anymore. But there was Escape and one more, one other song. But yeah, it was and then they got sweet. signed and started kicking butt. Yeah, it came out with The Ghost Among Us, which is such a good album. Yeah, that album's insane. Um, Golly. I'm glad they're screaming more, uh, you know, still in their um, newer music. Um, I think it's for people like us that grew up when they were super riffy. It, you know, maybe the new stuff isn't quite as enticing, but those dudes rule. Some of the greatest people we have or will ever know. I still try to keep up with them pretty frequently and, I love those guys. Um, I know you haven't gotten to see them in a little bit, but hopefully one of these days we can all link up someday. Someday. Sunrise, sunset. <laughs> sunrise, sunset. But uh, yeah, definitely Tim McTagg, though, from Under Earth. Not like The whole band is great, but that dude's guitar playing is just like ridiculous undefined the great line those riffs are just like what is wrong with you dude <laughs> i think that is someone who it doesn't seem like he has anything that's keeping him um in check where he's just like no i'm just gonna do whatever the fuck i want and it's gonna be sick and everyone's gonna like it and he just writes like define the great line and lost in the sound of separation are not your stereotypical um you know gold or platinum selling records they're all over the fucking place. There is no real structure. There's and a lot of the songs are just part after part, um, but they're just so unique. It's that being able to remain clean in your in your guitar tone, where all those notes stand out, but it's still so dirty. It's so good. Yeah, it's perfect. He's he's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to call up my bro, Tim McTagg, and be like, yeah, Tim, you want to come talk on the show? And be like, oh, I don't have your phone number. And then he'll be like, oh, are we friends? I'll be like, no, we're not friends because I don't have your phone number. And then he won't be on the show. Uh, but then you'll get a friend request from Tim McTagg, and then you'll be friends. And then he'll on be like, Friendster. yeah, put me on the show. And then he'll be on the show. Yeah, it'd be like, yeah, you have a beard, I have a beard, like, that's so cool. Like, I like SGs too. My first guitar was an SG. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dave's SG. That guitar's really nice. Yeah, that's a legend. It is a legend. It's been around. We'll probably talk about it tomorrow because Dave's going to be on the show tomorrow. But today, today was you, Melvin Brinson, and it was beautiful. Do you have anything you want to say to the people before you go? Yes, I do. Thanks for listening. And check out our album, Swan Dive. comes out May 15th. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Yep. You know, it's funny. I just realized, too, and I've done this two days in a row, and I should have written on my notes a little bit, but did you want to say anything about Monster Jam? Uh, not really. Okay. Whatever. Melvin works for Monster Jam as well, for those that don't know. That, uh, <laughs> but it has... It has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with this. Um, Yeah, it's just... All the time, people are like, man, why don't you guys tour? And let alone, I'm on tour a lot, but I guess people just don't know. You're on tour all the fucking time, too. Um, Back when people had jobs. Yes. And people were allowed to be social. Um, But 
fuck it, whatever, we're done. This is it. Screw monsters and um, but I do like jam. Like I have this blackberry jam in my fridge right now. Dude, it's just fire, man. I don't like it. It's too sweet. I don't. I don't have much of a sweet tooth. That's because you're a bitch. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just kidding, Melvin. You're not a bitch. You're a beautiful, strong, loving man. And you're not a dog, nor the female version of it. But if you want to be a dog, um, maybe get some hair glued on the back of your neck, um, like Charlie, and it's always sunny. And, yeah, that would be cool. But um, that's it, dude. That's the show. Excellent. Thanks for talking about your guitars with me and your tone and how you record things and how you've been in a lot of bands for a long time. Um, I appreciate it, and I'm very thankful that I get to be in a band with you. And thanks for writing really good songs, so that way people think I'm better at doing stuff than I am. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Now I got to get off because I got some riffs to write. Go write those riffs, bro. All right, I love you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Hang on one second. I'm gonna log off here, and I'll say uh, goodbye to you off the air. But I love you, Mel. Thanks for joining us today, buddy. Of course. Well, everyone, that was my episode with Melvin Brinson. His riffs have definitely created some pretty wild opportunities for me, and it's great getting to dig through this super long past that we have and remember some of these fond memories. At a time where I can't play music, it's been really great thinking about on everything that we've been able to accomplish at Friends and kind of helps create a solace for me. And if you want to learn a little bit about recording or songwriting, please hit Melvin up. You can hit him up on his socials. It's posted on the Offroad minivan page as well. So I'm sure you can find him remotely easily. Um, extra shout out to Colorblind for being today's submission. I really enjoyed that song and it's great to uh, play a little bit of Texas, baby. But it is a wild week. And tomorrow we have David Trimbley. He is a man of many hats and we will swan dive into the few that he has worn in our band. And today, on your way out, I'm playing a very special tune. This song is called Dead End, and it was the last recording by our band, Visions. I scream and sing the, the I scream in the song, I sing the first verse, Melvin sings the second verse, and we split the chorus throughout the whole track. It's one of my favorite Vision songs, and it was definitely the heaviest one that we released. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. Enjoy the song. I hope you had a fun time with the show today, and I'll see you tomorrow for my episode with Dave. Peace.
save myself.